Hey folks, and welcome back to another Blue Light Podcast YouTube video, where today I'm going to look at all of your detective recruitment questions. So, so many of my clients over the past couple of weeks, uh, the ones I do one-to-one coaching with, and for those of them who I do webinars with, interactive webinars with groups. And by the way, you can check out the links below to access those courses and services. This is where we actually get to put into practice the knowledge and understanding I show you as to how to pass each stage of the detective recruitment process and every stage for PCSO, British Transport Police, police officer from multiple forces, PSNI, Police Scotland. It's all in the links below, especially the Facebook groups. Please do join the Facebook group. It's almost 20,000 members now, which is absolutely incredible. Just focus on police recruitment and your career within the police. So anyway, back to... Today's questions. So many of my clients have been asking me questions about the detective assessment process. And today I'm going to answer those questions for you. So I've been a detective in the past um, in two different forces. I ended up working in a special branch in one force. I'm going to show off a little bit here. That was in the Bermuda Police. Yes, can you imagine going to a party as a single male and saying to people who you might want to chat to for the evening, yeah, yeah, I'm a detective in a special branch in Bermuda. Yeah, pull another one. You'll be telling me you're a fighter pilot next. Um, Anyway, it was awesome, before you ask. Um, And I picked up a lot of skills along the way. And the detective skills that we're going to talk about aren't that unusual. They're the sort of skills that a lot of police officers would have, have to have anyway. But we're going to talk about the sort of skills that they're looking for, and we're going to talk about how you would approach all the different exercises, because every force has its own unique way of recruiting direct entry detectives. Now, for those of you who are listening to this thinking, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yes, it is. It's a thing. Uh, A couple of years ago, Her Majesty's Inspector of Constabulary highlighted that across the England and Wales, there's a shortage of about 5,000 detectives. Yep, that many zeros. 5,000, not 500, 5,000 detectives short. Which is so bizarre because being a detective used to be the most Gucci role you could get. I remember the first force I joined, uh, the Cheshire Constabulary, Um, I left after four years to go to Bermuda and I was told that I was probably about a year off being able to do my detective training. I I showed an interest in year two, but a standard three-year wait to get a position as a detective or or even just to start the training, there's no guarantee you'd actually get selected to be a detective. That was not unusual because it's such a popular role. Anyway, why the fact to go to direct entry detectives is subject of another podcast and another video but basically no one wants to do it so they're having to go outside to bring people in and over the couple of years they've been doing it there's been a lot of lessons learned i believe about how to best support people who are coming in as direct entry detectives so they don't want to bail out and go into uniform or so they don't just leave the service altogether Anyway, the best way of finding out what it's like is to give it a go. That's why I always advise all of my clients, give it a go, give it three years, give it three years and then decide what you're going to do after that. But give it three years. Your first year, no, you're just finding your feet. The second year, you're starting to feel a little bit more in control and a bit more confident. Third year is when it should all start coming into place. And after three years, if you're still not happy, 
that's the time to go and do something else. But after three years, you should know that this is the job for me. All right, okay, let's look at these questions that have been asked. First of all, some forces actually run an interview. How am I going to structure my interview answers? So what I advocate is to use the Salku method as opposed to star. Star is too simplistic and no one talks like that. No one says things like, so the task I set myself. Come on, please. So what we look at is the situation and we describe the problem in rich detail and the impact of that problem if it were not dealt with. And then we look at the aim. What was I aiming to achieve? And then what options did I consider to uh, reach that aim? Next stage is the action phase. This is where you talk about what you did, but not just what you did, but how you did those things. Remember, most of your answers should involve people. Not just It's not just about you. It's about how you interact and work with other people. Uh, next stage is the result. Don't try and pretend that everything you touch turns to gold because it doesn't. If you try and persuade me that everything went perfectly, I'll be thinking, one, it wasn't challenging enough, or two, they're over-egging the pudding and it didn't quite work out like that. And I'll probably ask you questions to test whether it really worked out that well and you'll buckle and you'll tell me that, no, actually, it was quite difficult and this happened and this happened and it didn't work out. I want to hear about that kind of stuff because then they can link that into the learning. And then from there, we too can talk about our knowledge and understanding, which is where we demonstrate how we understand that this behavior is something that links in with the role of a police officer and how you would demonstrate that in the future as a detective. So that's how we structure our interview answers. Now, uh, for South Yorkshire Police, one of my clients has asked me and said, but actually what they've said is in the interview answers, they're looking for evidence of an investigative mindset. What do they mean by that? Well, this is, as a detective, you're going to demonstrate something called the ABCs of policing. Assume nothing, believe no one, and challenge and corroborate everything. That's like ABCC, isn't it? But I've heard, it, you, I've heard people talk about challenge. I've also heard about corroborate. I like both. So we're going to assume nothing. We're going to keep an open mind as to what has really happened. And we're going to ask questions like, so what's really happened here? We're not going to assume that just because someone's reported something to us that they're the person who's telling the truth or is speaking to the truth, because they might not be. It might be the suspect who's actually speaking to the truth. And this has happened on several occasions throughout my career. Someone's reported something and as identified a suspect for us and it's turned out that the suspect was actually being twirled that the person reporting it was telling lies because they wanted to fit up the suspect um one of my um victims initial victims went to prison for this because someone actually spent a significant time in custody and we went for a wasting police time and pervert the course to justice and it was dropped to just wasting police time uh, but they still went to prison for it and rightly so and that's because I believe at the time I was keeping an open mind. I was assuming nothing. I was believing no one until I could challenge everything that was being said and then corroborate it. So it's not that you're not going to believe people. It's just that you are going to believe them more once you have challenged everything that they've said in a nice way by getting other statements, by getting CCTV, uh, by asking them how that really worked out and what actually really happened and getting specific, specific detail off them by asking really good piercing questions. And then we are going to corroborate what they've said 
whenever we can so that we can build up a case as to what we believe has happened and then we can put that in front of a jury or put that in front of a magistrate. So that's what we mean, I think, by investigative mindset. Uh, please feel free to disagree with me. I know everyone's probably got their opinion on this, but I think I'd, I'd keep it as simple as that, keeping an open mind, asking questions about what's really going on here, assuming nothing, believing no one, until we can challenge and corroborate everything that they've said. So that's that sort of analytical mindset as well. We're going to analyse all of the information that we've got from several different angles. We're going to look at it from different angles. We're going to ask questions about what if, what if, what if the suspect is actually telling the truth? What if we've got the wrong person? What if we've got the right person, but there's other people involved and they are trying to shield them? What else would we need to do? What do we know? And what don't we know? What things don't we know? And where are we going to find out the answers to those things we don't know? Um, what if X really happened, not Y? And also um, checking our own biases. So to what extent are we demonstrating what you could call confirmation bias? That, yeah, it's bound to be him because. Yeah, he's done this sort of thing before, so it's bound to be him. The amount of times I heard in the police people say, yeah, it's bound to be him. It's bound to be him. Why? Why is it bound to be him? So that's our investigative mindset, and we're looking for evidence of that in your answers. All right, what else have we got? The questions of the questions. Um, role plays. Uh, Difford Powers use role plays. I think they're the only one using them at the moment. Greater Manchester Police have used role plays for the detective assessment. How do we approach role players? Well, we approach role players by using a non-contact conflict management model called CUDSA. This stands for confront. So we are going to get to the point. I'm not going to confront. It's not not uh, in an aggressive way. It's in an assertive way. We're going to get to the point of what we need to do with the role play and tell them, give them a roadmap of what's going to happen next and explain to them what's going to happen next. And then we're going to get, do a deep dive into actually the things that happened. Uh, that's the understanding phase of Kudsa. And we're going to open up with a nice big open question, which goes along the lines of, please, can you explain to me exactly what happened when you got off the bus? And you went home. So what happened between you getting off the bus and you getting home? What exactly happened? Nice big open question. And let them do free recall. Uh, and then we're going to probe everything they say using our 5WH in a simple to complex way. Using Ted Pai and using all sorts of rapport building soft softness to our questions. Things like, uh, so I'm just wondering how that really happened. I'm just, I'm interested in what was said after the person hit you. So we're putting a little softness in front of the questions. We're using our Ted Pie skills, which stands for tell me, um, explain, describe um, precisely in detail, exactly. All sorts of little policing tricks that we can utilise. We're then going to define and summarise, which demonstrates we've been doing active listening. We're going to move on to solutions and they're going to be directed by the person, the role player. They're going to turn around and say, whatever you think is best, or I don't care, I just want you to deal with it. Um, they're going to be awkward. That's what they're there for. We're going to deliver some solutions. Uh, enforcement prevention advocacy, a little model I like to utilise for solutions. And then we're going to talk about how we're going to assess uh, the solutions that we're going to deliver and what the end result will be. There you go, cut, sir. 
So that's how we do role plays. There's a lot more to it, but if you want to find out a lot more to it, then check the links below. It's the interview course, by the way, where I've got really, really in-depth um, role play modules, basically a script you can utilize for any role play. Even if it's not a detective one, you can just use this script. I've used it operationally for years, since 1996. That's when I first came across the Kudza non-conflict contact, uh, sorry, non-contact conflict management model. Gosh, that's a lot to say. So that's how we deal with role plays. Quite a few forces use intrays. So how are we going to deal with an intray exercise? Well, they're going to overload you. This is what the Metropolitan Police do. They overload you with information. They put you in the role of a detective. It's your first day on taking over the caseload from someone else who's just left, and off you go. And they're going to give you a massive amount of things to deal with. Some of you might be thinking, this sounds a bit unfair, this, because how am I expected to know what a detective's role is and what detectives do and how I'd actually deal with various incidents? Well, I suppose the best best thing I can say is that, you know, that's just what it is and you've got to get your head around it. Even if you might think it's unfair, it doesn't matter what you think, you've just got to get your head around it. Watch lots of back episodes of 24 Hours in Police Custody. Get your head in that game. And uh, again, we utilize models and structures to deal with the entry exercise. So um, on my online course, I talk about, there's a video there where I show you how to actually construct your page because it just give you a blank page. It's not report form where you fill in the gaps. No, you've got to create your own report form. I've already given you the template and it's worked for so many of my clients, I mean, just as an example, every one-to-one I've done with someone who's going for the detective process for the Metropolitan Police has passed. Everyone. Without fail. <laughs> well, of course it's without fail. They've all passed. Um, so it works. This structure works. Uh, we're going to use a model of um, prioritizing called the Eisenhower Matrix, which looks at importance and urgency. We're going to look at things like threat, harm, and risk. Uh, we're going to have pre-prepared things that we can do. How am I going to do? You know, they want to know what actions you're going to take. You're either going to task, you're going to delegate, or you're going to deal with things yourself. So, um, again, we're going to utilize a structured, structured approach. Um, one of my clients asked me today, actually, um, she said, I'm, I'm reading up on the CVF level one behaviors for the detective process I'm going through, and it's doing my head in. Well, of course, it'll do your head in because it's not actually showing you what you need to do. The way I like to approach assessments is to give you a model and a structured approach that you can utilize that makes sense, that's easy to remember. And once you've practiced it, you can do it over and over again doesn't matter what scenario they give you you can apply that that approach to it and that's exactly what police work is like you know it's not based on something i've come up with after i retired from the police this is all stuff that i used over three decades of policing stuff that i picked up from a variety of different sources and used 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 and it's worked for thousands of people who have now got into the police ever since I started coaching and supporting people in the police sector 26 years ago. Yes, 26 years ago. So this stuff works. So as opposed to thinking about the behaviours within the competency and values framework, put that to bed, put it to one side, use the structured approach that I show you, and all the behaviours will fall out of the sky. Honestly, you'll just be ticking boxes everywhere because the structured approaches I show you and everything you need to include in those structured approaches hit all the behaviours. So we're doing it the other way around. Does that make sense? 
of course, studying the competency and values framework is going to drive you nuts. It just doesn't get you anywhere at all. So other questions about the entry, how long does it last for? I believe it's 60 minutes. Uh, do I need to answer all of the emails and letters in there? Yes, answer as many as you can, but they're going to overload you. So if you don't finish it, it's not the end of the world. Are some of them going to be connected? Yes, they are. Watch it, look out for cases that are connected with each other. Um, do I need to write it in sort of prose or should I use bullet points? Bullet points, bullet points, bullet points. Use as many bullet points as you can because it's going to save you time and it's going to make it easier for the assessor to assess you. Do I need knowledge of policing? Well, I think you do, actually. I think it really does help because they're going to be asking you about how you're going to deal with various investigations. And that, for me, requires some knowledge of how not just about what sort of things you should be investigating and how, but how the police actually work. So if you need people to do house-to-house inquiries or if you need someone to examine a crime scene, how do you actually get those officers to do it? If you need someone to protect a crime scene, where do you get them from? And then what do you do with them? So it requires you to have some kind of knowledge of policing, which is where I come in. So for those of you who've got no knowledge whatsoever, you get like Brendan's brain, policing brain transplanted into you so that you've got um, enough, significantly more actually than you need to demonstrate how you would deal with a lot of these incidents that you're going to be presented with. And we also look at how you would give and deliver 120% without being asked to do so, more than, the, more than is necessary. So there's all sorts of little tricks you can utilise there as well, which I cover on the course and cover in my coaching sessions. Um, grammar. Am I being tested on my grammar? Okay, you can make some mistakes, some spelling mistakes, because you're writing this out on a piece of paper. Uh, you can make some grammatical errors, it, but it does need to make sense. They'll let you get with, away with a few, but if it doesn't make sense, then they're not going to mark it. And if they can't mark it, you're not going to score. And if you don't score, you're not going to pass. Is there a right answer they're looking for? No, not necessarily. What they're looking for is you're working out. It's a bit like your maths test that you did years ago for your GCSEs or if you're really old, like me, O-levels, um, where 20 marks were allocated to the answer. Two marks were for the correct number at the end. 18 marks were the, for the working out. So they're looking for your working out. They're looking for your rationale behind your decision-making process. And that's where things like the Eisenhower matrix, threat, harm, risk, um, and having a, a clear, methodical approach to your answer will pay dividends because you're not having to think too much about your answers. You're just sort of dropping things in and filling in the gaps. Does that make sense? Um, so over to the briefing, um, several forces, not several, a few forces use a briefing, Metropolitan Police being the biggest. This is where they're going to give you a um, incident, uh, information about an incident, um, a serious violent crime has taken place and we have a potential suspect and we have a victim and we have a location where it's occurred and you'll be expected to deliver a briefing about that you've got 10 minutes to deliver the briefing and then you've got questions to answer in respect of your answers that sorry your briefing that you've given so how are we going to deliver a consistently good briefing well we're going to use the ii march system this comes from something called jessup let's see if we can get this right jessup is the joint emergency services interoperability protocol 
you didn't know that something called Jessup existed, you wouldn't know that something called II March existed. So what I've done is I've taken the briefing system from Jessup and as I've, I've adapted it so that you can utilize it in your briefing and it will fill five minutes, sorry, 10 minutes, the 10 minutes that you've got. Um, it stands for information, intention, method, administration, uh, risk assessment, communication, and human rights and health and safety. And there's different constituent parts of that you can utilize. Things like um, the pillars of a, an investigation, the building blocks of an investigation, uh, how to develop and formulate a line of inquiry, uh, low cards principles in terms of every contact leaves a trace, uh, little things like uh, in the information phase, you'll be talking about what do we know and what don't we know. And what we don't know becomes a line of inquiry, and we use the building blocks to develop an order to that line of inquiry. Basically, if you practice this enough times, what you get is something that you can just duplicate. Even if they change it from the violent crime to a series of burglaries or a serious armed robbery, it doesn't matter. We just utilise a systematic approach so we can just drop in the information that they've given us. All right, please, please forgive the background noise, by the way. It's my little boy. He's got a building project on in the garden. So it's school holidays at the moment. So a little bit of background noise there for you. Um, okay, anyway, that's uh, that's pretty much it. I'm just looking at my form, uh, all the, the points I scribbled down, things that people have been asking me over the past couple of weeks. I can't think of anything else now. I think we've covered everything. So there you go, folks. A load of guidance for you answering all your questions about how you would approach your assessment interview to become a detective through the direct entry detective or the detective first or whatever they call it depending on the force depending whether it's police now or the police service of england and wales and each individual force calls things different things but if you can put all of that into practice then you are going to do great how to put it into practice shameless plug come and join me check the links to the courses below if you don't like them, within 24 hours, let me know and I'll give you a refund. That's how confident I am that this will do more than help you nail it. I'll show you the way you do the hard work, you get the pass. That's the way it works. All right, folks. Well, listen, glad you could join us today. If you've got any ideas about future podcasts or videos, please do let me know and ask questions in the comments and I'll do my very best to get back in touch with you and I'll catch up with you soon. Bye-bye for now. Thank you.